Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, everybody, to the show this beautiful, I think it is Friday, Hello, Roll Tide, Nate Bama, always in the house. Happy to see you there. Lots of Daniels in the house, too. Richard Kramer, uh, Dale Chaffee. Love to see you guys here. Eisner, we always have, like, our regular crew. You rare, know what, JC? Rare and to go. Rare and to go. You need to make a T-shirt. You need to make a T-shirt for the T-shirt shop about uh, something about the... Uh, Daily Journal regular crew or something. Something these people can wear to identify themselves as part of the Liberty First Daily Journal team. What do you say about that? And we have to do like a group Zoom broadcast or something. Something like that. <laughs> My microphone got all weird. Everybody shows up in studio. Everybody shows up in studio. Well, it's Friday, so it's a short day for us. So we'll just jump right into the news that we are going to be talking about today. Two stories today. I'm about to put that I plead the second T-shirt up, by the way. Oh, wow. I thought it was already up. No, I don't think so. Mm, okay. All right. So two stories today have to do with the uh, right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. What are you doing? Answering Nate. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't know you're answering him. Yeah, he does. Oh, I see. <laughs> you know what, Nate? Just for you, I would wear that shirt just for you. <laughs> All right. So our first, our stories today are about the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. And also about the filibuster uh, based on a question that came to uh, Biden during his first press conference, which was a doozy. Do you know that the Hill actually described Biden's press conference as one of the most embarrassing things in presidential history or something like that? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, what? <laughs> so the Hill is not a Biden fan. I don't know what the Hill is a fan of, actually. They like themselves. Yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> so we're, we're actually going to have Lane is asking a question about the Second Amendment in the chat room. And we're actually going to have a class next week on the Second Amendment. Uh, so let all your NRA fr friends know uh, that if they want some real right to keep and bear arms truth, they should, you know, Tune in next week. If they can't handle the truth, then they should probably stay home. <laughs> you know, I didn't even realize there were so many NRA trolls. Holy cow. Just, it's incredible out there. The tribalism on people. Yeah. That that make gun, people who are supposed to be gun, proponents of gun owning, turn nasty about a law uh, no, actually, to to justify laws that prevent gun owning, just because it contradicts something the NRA says or something. I don't know. It's crazy. All right, so here we are uh, with this has actually been in the news. We've talked about this a little bit, 
uh, Biden's administration chimed in on this, asking the Supreme Court to broaden the powers of government to enter homes without a warrant. So I thought what would be good today, since this is what we do, is to actually talk about the case for just a few minutes so you can see what's happening. And so what has happened before the Supreme Court? Uh, the question of what kind of emergency allows the police to enter your home without a warrant. And so this week, this debate came before the Supreme Court uh, in a case that involved, um, well, a guy who gave a gun to his wife and told his wife to shoot him to put him out of his misery of her existence. Okay. Okay. So, uh, he brought her up the gun, told her to shoot him, to put him out of her misery, out of his misery, and then left the house. She hid the gun and spent the night in the motel. The next morning, she was unable to reach her husband, so she asked the police to go to escort her home because she's afraid that he might have harmed himself. But the police found him sitting on the front porch and Baker acted him, right? Okay. So they took him into custody and sent him off on a psychological evaluation. Later that day, the doctors concluded that he was not a threat to himself or others and released him. But while he was in psych evaluation, they went into his house and took his guns. Okay. So the doctor came out and said, uh, he's not a threat to himself to other people. And so now he is suing the police department for going into his house and taking his guns without a warrant. So his lawyer says that the fourth amendment is very clear. The right of the people to secure, to be secure in their person's houses, papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue, but based upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. And that, that this expansion of government power based on the term exigent circumstance is out of control. Now, what's interesting, JC, and we're just going to do, do this little slight overview because the Supreme Court hasn't actually issued opinion. This was just oral argument. What's interesting was the questions that the Supreme Court were asking the lawyers. So Roberts said, suppose an elderly neighbor doesn't show up for a planned weekly dinner. She's never late. She isn't answering the phone and her back door is open. So the neighbors call the police. He asks the defendant's attorney, would that be enough for the police to enter the house without a warrant to check up on the missing neighbor? And the lawyer says, no, I think that alone would not be enough. And Robert followed up with this. Would the situation be different if the cop was a small town Andy Mayberry versus Kojak from the big city? And the lawyer says, no. 
And then they said, what about a baby crying for five hours and nobody seems to be around? So apparently during these oral arguments, they went through dozens and dozens of emergency scenarios, even to give statistics about the numbers of residents, falls and suicides uh, are shocking. So they said every single day on average, there are 65 suicides by gunshot in the United States, noting that pol police officers are critical as in this instance to sue to suicide prevention. Who said this? One of the justices said this? No, no. The lawyer said one this. of the lawyers said that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, this was Kavanaugh. This was a lawyer. This was this was actually Kavanaugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Kavanaugh noted yeah. the statistics no on residents, yeah. falls and suicides are shocking. And every single day on average, there are 65 suicides by gunshot in the United States noting that police officers are critical to suicide prevention. So Kavanaugh is not a fan of warrants. No, but we know that. Well, I'm not sure if conservatives oh. know that. We know that. Uh, if you're a longtime listener. They all just unfriended you. Yeah. If you are a longtime listener of the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, if you've watched us or anything, you will. you already know Kavanaugh is not a constitutionalist. And as they described Kavanaugh as a Jeffersonian during his confirmation hearing, uh, that also is, that's almost like opposite day. Yeah, there's a, a great, uh, a better question. Is there a difference in checking on an old person and rummaging through their possessions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, because here's the problem, right? So Kavanaugh, listen to this. It, this might surprise you. Kavanaugh disagreed with Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch, who uh, appeared to think a warrant is required for such an entry, even though the entry is in not is not in pursuit of evidence of a crime. Yeah, like I said, not shocking. Yeah. So, but Clarence, Clarence Thomas, Thomas is not in favor of police power this time. Right. So, which no, is that part surprising. A little bit surprising. But the fact that Kavanaugh disagreed with that. Yeah. Yeah. The Not need for a warrant. At all. Not surprising at all. So they're talking about the longstanding accepted expansion of government power called exigent circumstances, which is like hot pursuit of a subject or if you hear them flushing drugs or, you know, preservation of evidence is what they call that. And so Justice Roberts also well, for just taking a dump. Yeah. How do you how do you tell the difference between a you know a poop flush and a drug flush? Hey man, flush out down the toilet. I've seen some <laughs> some reasons to tell you know a roommate that that yeah. doesn't involve drugs. So here's the question that that maybe that might be eluding people here. Okay, um, why would and you sort of asked it? What would be difference from going in and checking on the neighbor? And rummaging the stuff. Well, the interesting thing is. Sherry asked it. Oh, Sherry. I asked just it. read it. Okay. All right. So the difference is the moment they enter into the home, anything they see laying out in public is now in plain view and subject to police jurisdiction. Wow. Right. So if they go into the house because they're afraid Johnny might be hurting himself, 
without a warrant. Hey, man, we know Johnny's got some drugs in there. Let's mm -hmm. just tell the judge that we thought he was going to hurt himself. We sure. thought he was going to overdose on drugs. So we had to go in before we could get a warrant. And then the minute they go into the house, everything is subject to plain the plain view doctrine. But doesn't that go back to the, the steps that led up to it? I mean, you're still... Of course, I guess that that gets it in there. Then you have to argue. Yeah. Well, you didn't have a right to be in there in the first right, place. Right. Exactly. You the the. But the problem the, is, you do find something, and yeah. then all of a sudden, the judge goes, "Well, you know, this justifies." Yeah, because we were afraid. We had a well-founded concern. That's the standard. A well-founded concern that Johnny was about to OD on drugs, or you know. So we have, as Kavanaugh says, an issue of suicide prevention. Now you go into Johnny's house under the guise of suicide pre uh, prevention and you arrest him for narcotics. So, so that's, that's the difference. Listen to what justice Roberts says. And this is, this is direct. He says, let's suppose that a neighbor calls the police about a cat stuck in a tree on the Johnson's property and the Johnson's are away. Can the police enter their locked fence around the yard to get the cat down? Is that community caretaking? Roberts asked. Can you see how stupid these questions are? So now the suicide prevention in Roberts' mind is connected to the life of a cat. So now police officers should be allowed to enter your property without a warrant to prevent the cat from committing suicide. And then the, off, the, 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 the attorney says, to me, climbing a tree and getting a cat doesn't interfere with privacy rights. The problem is this attorney misses the point. It's not about climbing the tree and getting the cat. It's about going in the locked gate because that's the threshold we're dealing with. <laughs> Brian says, tase the cat. <laughs> From a distance. From a distance. That's, this is what we're dealing with here, JC. It's not about saving the cat or not saving the cat. The question is, does the law does the government have the authority to go in a locked structure without a warrant? Yeah. Does it sound like this lawyer knows, knows what he's doing? Mm -hmm. Right. So how are these guys getting this position? What kind of attorney is this? I, I don't know. You know, it, it, well, you have to understand law school, right? Because, you learn about curtilage because you, but privacy rights, right? Did you see his comment was uh, climbing a tree and getting a cat doesn't interfere with privacy rights because everybody can see it from the street. You don't have a, a uh, reasonable expectation of privacy in a, in your tree. Yeah. But like but you he's said, not he, missing, you he's missed, missing the point. I mean, you have pretty much even the Supreme court, all the longstanding opinions about curtilage and he mm -hmm. doesn't just all Well, your honor, you know, you're, you cross that threshold. I mean, how, how wouldn't you, uh, how they get lawyers like this? Now, what's interesting is Alina Kagan is not in favor of this. Mm -hmm. 
it, Alina Kagan says that she is very skeptical of a standard of community caretaking because then all of a sudden you're going to be dealing with, she says, covering a lot of stuff. Yeah. So this is where you get the liberals actually usually standing on the side of liberty because they don't they don't like the war on drugs. Right? Anti-police powers. Yeah, they're anti-police powers. So as this vote goes, right, you will have, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. The potential is out there for anything. You, you, you seriously see that Kavanaugh wants to expand police power. Mm -hmm. You see that always, and and I guarantee you, Neil, uh, Neil Gorsuch will not. Gorsuch has been strong in favor of this in his. Uh, Supreme Court tenure. He was a little iffy a couple times prior to that, but I think that had to do with precedent and not with principle, right? Because Kavanaugh believes that lower courts are absolutely ruled by precedent. So yeah. when he was in the lower courts, I truly believe his questionable opinions were based on the fact that he felt that he had no choice because he's a slave to precedent. But now that he's in the Supreme Court, He's been pretty good with constitutional issues and with with Fourth Amendment issues. Kavanaugh or, or uh, uh, Gorsuch is the one who uh, wrote the opinion in uh, Carpenter about geo tracking people with cell phones and stuff. So you know he's 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 pretty decent on that. So what will Roberts do? Roberts wants to expand. So you have Kavanaugh, yes, expand. You've got Roberts, yes, expand. You've got. Rob, you've got Clarence Thomas somewhere in the middle, depending on how it goes off. You have Gorsuch, no. I think you'll probably have Kagan, no. And then if Kagan's no, then you'll probably have Sotomayor, no. no. Um, but where will will Barrett, Barrett go? Right. Because Be being such a slave to precedent, does this right? Does this put her in the right place or the wrong place? Could she you be the slave? to precedent as Gorsuch was and say, I'm in the Supreme Court now. I create precedent. I don't follow precedent. Mm. Or will she be as she was in the church case? Yeah, so far we've seen her, you know, uh, do exactly what you predicted and mm -hmm. be a slave to precedent, whether it's bad or good. Right. I think most of the precedent in, in this subject is in favor of the people's liberty. Right. So she may end up on the wrong side just, you know, by accident, just because she's following that precedent. But but she but she's just as prone to follow no, but, bad precedent. But that's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'd so I'd be so quick to say that most of the precedent is on the side of the liberty of the people. It's Slightly. simply not. Well, but m most recently, more of the cases yeah, well, you have, have been right. against police power. Right. Than for it, but there have been some notable, shocking uh, exceptions. So, right. so it's always, what particular one does she pick? How do you how do you nail that down? That's what's weird about Barrett, since it's all about precedent. Yeah. You, and and you know that in so many areas, the precedent itself is contradictory. Then how does she settle that? Yeah, it's it's very strange. That's why you need a person who's principled right. uh, on the Constitution, not not based on precedent. Precedent. I mean, precedent. Supreme Court precedent is a split personality disorder. It's schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. right. So how, how could you ever claim precedent as your standard? Right. It, it makes no sense. 
All right, let's move on. Well, we'll keep our eyes on that. We'll look on. And, and remember, with every opinion that's issued, we learn more about the justices and where their where their real principles lie, right? Yeah, she so, hasn't been there long enough. Uh, Barrett hasn't been there long enough no. for you to uh, predict on this issue. every issue where yeah. she would be. And, and I, I'm she's yeah. obviously not um, not going to be. Uh, a champion of religious liberty, you know, straight down the line. Yeah. No, well, I don't Which think is, she's a champion of liberty straight down the line. No, but certainly not. I mean, we've seen yeah. so far religious liberty in particular. She's been on the wrong side or she's been, you know, uh, non-committal. All right. Pretty so sad. let's listen. Which to, is contrary to what she what what the whole narrative. Oh, was. I know the whole argument. Because she's she so religious. Gonna she's going to. Yeah. But I think part of what you saw was a a knee jerk reaction. I think she did. I think part of that opinion in California was to prove that she wasn't who they said she was. I think that's what, which that is was. equally pathetic. Yeah. So here we go. Biden's press conference on a question from Yamish, and that's on the, that filibuster. counts as a question, but go ahead. Okay. I'll make it quick. It's a no, quick no, question. You can. Uh, regarding the filibuster at John Lewis's funeral, president Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? All right. I don't think the rest of what he says is actually relevant because we're going to talk about not the Joe Eagle part. The Joe. Oh, you want to want to play? No, no, I don't. Okay. So he said it's more like. <laughs> yeah. This makes it look like. Uh, what? I didn't even remember. No, what he, he said. said the Jim Crow laws look like Joe Eagle. I don't know. I don't know what that meant. It was. It oh, was, yeah, yeah. This stuff was, makes the Jim Crow laws look like Joe Eagle. Yeah, I didn't. Or Jim yeah, Eagle. Jim Eagle or something. I don't know. It was crazy. Whoever that is. It makes no sense. Hey, Derek, thank you so much for your super chat today. Um, all right. So I thought maybe it would be interesting to go through a little bit of a history of the filibuster, considering that most people think of Jim Crow laws. And then her, her whole thing is Barack Obama is Democrat. He wants to undo Jim Crow laws and the filibuster and you're a Democrat. So you must want to eliminate Jim Crow laws, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think what I wanted to show was that I think many American people actually believe that the uh, filibuster is a tool of the Republicans to oppose Democrat uh, bills that support freedom and liberty for all. That's their narrative. That's their narrative. You okay. think that's pretty accurate? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's what we heard in the, in the he, he kind of said it. A couple yeah. of the reporters said it. Right. Uh, that, you know, well, Jim Crow is is basically a technique by racist Republicans to abuse minorities. So why don't right. we just get rid of this? Get rid of the filibuster, which is a tool by racist senators to abuse Democrats. Racist Republicans. Racist Republicans. Mm -hmm. Did I say Democrats? I meant Senate. Anyway, racist Republican senators to, mm -hmm. you know, stop this. So, so uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what a filibuster is? And then we'll go in and I'll tell them the history of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just a a procedural delay, uh, a, a way to delay a uh, the debate on the vote procedurally. Mm -hmm. They stand and they 
talk and speak and read and whatever. They occupy the floor in the Senate until they run out of time. Well, they can actually keep talking unless three-fifths of the senators right. uh, shut them down. Correct. It right? takes so three, it takes it takes three-fifths. Yeah. Yeah. Cloture is when <clears throat> they move to move the bill to a vote. Uh, so it prevents that. It prevents it from going to a vote. But it takes three-fifths to because basically it, it's on the idea that uh, in the Senate, what you've said before that. Uh, they have equal suffrage, right? Equal suffrage. So the senators, uh, every senator has the complete uh, authority to to speak, right? So you right. you can't you you can't say you can't make the senator sit down and shut up. That like this is the this is the tack that the Senate takes, which is different from the House. Right. The House runs very differently, uh, where you know the the Speaker of the House is king in the Senate, and if you're in the opposition party, you're you have no power whatsoever. And they mm -hmm. say you have two minutes, you have 30 seconds, you have five minutes or whatever. So it's been the tradition in the Senate that, well, you know, we're all equal here. And if I want to speak, I get to speak. And right. so you can't just you can't just, you know, shut that person down. Uh, so the idea was, OK, well, what if the person speaks forever? Okay, if if we want to move on, the person's if if you know the body as a whole feels like this is you know just something to that that, that is not uh, relevant or whatever, we shut it down. Uh, it's going to take uh, sixty sixty votes to right. make them sit down. So it's it's actually Article Five of the U.S. Constitution, which establishes that every senator has equal suffrage in the Senate. So let me just run through this history really quick. Uh, so what happened, uh, in 1789, the first U S Senate adopted a rule rules, allowing senators to move the previous question, which meant ending debate and preceding a vote. But vice president Aaron Burr argued that the previous question motion was redundant, had only been exercised once in the preceding four years and should be eliminated, which was done in 1806 after he left for office, the Senate agreed and modified its rules. And because it created no alternative mechanism to terminating debate, because the previous question was the termination of the debate, the filibuster became theoretically possible. Now, the filibuster uh, was seldom ever used uh, by uh, until about the late 1830s. Mm -hmm. And the first Senate filibuster occurred in 1837 when a group of Whig senators filibustered to prevent allies of the Democratic Republican President Andrew Jackson from expunging a resolution of censure against him. And then in 1841, a defining moment came during a debate on a bill to charter the new National Bank after Whig Senator Henry Clay tried to end the debate via a majority vote and Democrat Senator William King threatened to filibuster saying that Clay may make his arguments at his boarding house for the winter. <laughs> and then the other senators sided with King and so Clay backed down. Uh, so the Democrat in that case shut down the bill mm -hmm. through filibuster. So um, the question was to Biden, why don't you end the filibuster? 
The answer is because the president has no authority to end the filibuster. Right. The filibuster can only be ended by the Senate and can only be ended on the first day of the session in January or the first day of the session in March. Yeah, it's already happened at the beginning. They they vote on their rules right. for the session. At January and March. So and we're already past all that. Yeah, so techni technically, mm -hmm. right? Because again, it's it's a matter of following the rules. They, I guess, could decide we no longer follow the rules. Uh, but that that's that's the way it's supposed to happen. And I think, I, I think, from a political perspective, again, this comes up every term. Mm -hmm. So this is actually, this is not something new, um, but they make it very loud, right? They, they, yeah. they really put the spotlight on these things. So watch this. Nothing in, new here. In 1917, during World War I, the rule allowing cloture of debate was adopted by the Senate on a 76 to 3 roll call vote at the urging of President Woodrow Wilson. After a group of 12 anti-war senators managed to kill a bill that would have allowed Wilson to arm merchant vessels in the face of unrestricted German submarine warfare, right? So Woodrow Wilson tried to, to uh, stop the uh, filibuster because they killed his warmongering, right? Correct. Then, uh, so from 1917 to 1949, the requirement for cloture was two-thirds, mm -hmm. not three-fifths. All right, so during the 1930s, uh, let's see. Oh, I, for, I got this. Despite the formal requirement, political scientist Dave Mayhew argued that in practice it was unclear whether a filibuster could be sustained against uh, majority opposition. The first cloture vo vote occurred in 1919 to end debate on the Treaty of Versailles at the urging of President Wilson. And during the 1930s, Senator Huey Long of Louisiana used filibuster to promote his populist policies. And he's a Democrat. He recited Shakespeare and read out recipes for pot liquors during his filibuster, which occurred for 15 hours. In 1946, five Southern Democrats, Senators Overton, Russell, Tidings, Hoy, and McKellar, blocked a vote on a bill proposed by Democrat Dennis Chavez of New Mexico, listen to this, that would have created permanent fair employment practices to prevent discrimination in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So these five Democrats filibustered to kill a bill for equal employment practices. And this is what happened. The filibuster lasted weeks and Chavez was forced to remove his bill from consideration after a failed cloture vote, even though he had enough votes to pass the bill. In 1949, the Senate made invoking cloture more difficult by requiring two thirds of the entire Senate membership instead of those who are just present. Right. In 1953, Senator Wayne Morris of Oregon sent the record for filibustering for 22 hours and 26 minutes. Uh, while protesting the Tidelands oil legislation and Democrat Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina broke his record in 1957 by filibustering the Civil Rights Act for 24 hours and 18 minutes. So it was 
really a tool of the Democrats historically. Yeah. One of the most notable filibusters of the 1960s occurred when Southern Democrats attempted to block the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 by filibustering for 75 hours, including a 14-hour and 13-minute address by Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about Jim Crow laws yeah. and the filibuster. It's the Democrats who were using the filibuster to thwart civil rights. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why they want to get rid of it, to erase that history. To erase that history. Well, wouldn't it be interesting? Why would, you know, I mean, seriously, where's, where's the, the, the Newsmax or Fox News press correspondent in, in the press conference that says, although we know historically Democrats have used filibuster to oppose civil rights protections, knowing that history of your party, would you be willing to support the end of a filibuster? Yeah. How do you get away with allowing the CBS person to stand up and, and, and bleed the narrative that filibuster is the tool of a bunch of racist Republicans? When I just read you, I, I just read you over and over again, time and time and again, the history of the filibuster, all Democrats, all trying to remove civil rights, which is Jim Crow. Yeah. Well, they'll tell you, well, you know, after that, all the all the uh, Southern Democrats joined the party of Lincoln. You mean they, the party of Lincoln, the, yeah, the they, president? They joined, they joined the party that represented the abolitionists oh, because okay. they were so racist. Yeah, but don't use Lincoln then because <laughs> Lincoln's the one who tried to remove all the slaves to. I'm just saying that's countries. their label. That, I mean, that's how they frame it. Yeah. It's a party of Lincoln, you know, the anti-slave party. Okay, well, why would all the Democrats join that party? <laughs> but that's what that's what their narrative is. Yeah, that's what their narrative is. The big switch, which is utter nonsense. Uh, the the but this this argument about getting rid of the filibuster happens every session. Uh, and they talk about the nuclear option. This was back and forth during Obama, and it's uh, it's always more of a discussion when you have such you know, such split, such a split uh, legislature. Like mm -hmm. it's really, the divide is fairly close, very contentious and, you know, extreme differences on these issues. So it's right. always a discussion. Um, most, most of the senators are, are not, would not typically be in favor of getting rid of it because it's really the only way they can stop anything when they're, you know, in the majority. I didn't I didn't actually research this far, JC, but they have a two track process. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> is that still happening? I mean, because the what the two track process is says that you can filibuster a bill, but it doesn't stop the entire legislative process. You can go into another room and vote on other issues. That's the two track process. And I I saw I don't remember what year that was was invoked the two track process. Uh, oh, in the 70s, the Senate adopted the two-track procedure. So what happens is is the two-track procedure present, prevents a filibuster from stopping everything. They break it up into so, pieces. I don't yeah, think so that you can typically... go into the next room and everybody can vote on the other bill or you can do electronic vote on the other bill. They can keep going. Yeah, it's another thing that they don't like. They, they don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a lot of political considerations in yeah. in this thing and they know they're not going to they're not going to always be in power and so it's a it's kind of catch 22 they're trying to do all they can do within in this first 2 years um, with the thought that they may not they may not have another opportunity uh, but at the same time if they get rid of if they get rid of the filibuster and they change it then uh, you know they're they're going to be out of power big time and so it, it it's especially Historically, it has been especially unlikely that the filibuster would be done away with during the first half um, of a presidential administration because they know they know the how the pendulum swings in the midterm. So in the first half would be I mean, would be a, a massive mistake to get rid of the filibuster if you're if you're then out of power in the second half of the four years. Well, the nuclear option is uh, to eliminate the 60 vote threshold for certain matters before the Senate. Yeah. Um, and this is not the same as lowering. So this this has nothing to do with lessening the votes it takes to pass a bill no. or, or raising it or whatever. No, it's purely this is this is the procedure to get to that point. Right. right. You have to. It's a vote to set to end debate. Right. So cloture is a vote to end debate. So. The idea is long as debates going, then you can't get to the point where we move on to vote on the actual bill. Right. Uh, but it's still once once cloture is done, then it goes back to 50 plus one, just a basic right. majority. Right. Uh, so it has to do with closing, uh, you know, closing the debate, ending debate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just it, it just gives again, it's rooted in the equal suffrage, equal representation. Uh, and they're not prone to do it because, you know, if 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 uh, if they don't have this, then the majority party does whatever they want and they know how it swings in the midterm. And mm -hmm. so they'd be destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's the only hope that that the minority party has the only control that they have uh, for the most part. Um, so. Well, that's all that we have for you guys today. Just to answer Harry's question in the chat room, uh, if you go to the show that I did yesterday, I will answer that question for you. If you don't feel the need or don't actually want the answer to that question and go watch the show yesterday, then maybe this isn't the show for you, Harry. So I'm not an attorney. Uh, JC is not an attorney, so that's not even relevant for him. So Harry, if you want the answer to that question regarding me, then you have to go listen to yesterday's show. And the people in the chat room will explain to you how yesterday's show all answers that question in its entirety. You can't trust a person that writes in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Go. All right, Harry, go watch. Just, just joking, show. Harry. Just kidding. All right. Uh, we will uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. And we will see you again on Monday. Have a great weekend.